This is episode two of Raw the 90s Rave podcast exclusive rare joint interview with Happy Hardcore Giants Force and Styles. We hope you enjoy it just as much as you seem to enjoy episode one. And we'd like to dedicate this one to Force and Styles' hugely popular MC Junior, who sadly passed away on New Year's Eve 2011 and was taken way too soon. Welcome to part two of this exclusive interview with Force and Styles on Raw, the 90s Ray podcast with me, Tom Latcham, and Chrissy Richards, and Paul King Size, and George the Dog. We've heard about what makes these boys tick and how they came to work together, so let's find out how they became the biggest act in Happy Hardcore. So you were signed by uh, Chris Howell, Lunacy, at Night Force as, uh, as Force and Evolution. That was in around 93, I think, uh, along with James Broomfield and Paul Hughes. How did that come about? That came about, if my memory serves me correctly. <laughs> well, you go for it, and I'll tell you if you're right. Okay. So, um, yeah, we were down at Oscars, um, and there was a night down there. And we'd, we'd previously seen um, Chris Howe was pretty famous at the time in Essex because he was obviously his Smarties um, track was really big at the time. He came down for a night. He was raving down there. And um, I think we were able to get his number and then send him a demo tape. I think he was hanging hanging out with some friends of friends, wasn't he? That's yeah. What it, that's what it was. Yeah. And then I got a demo tape and then he got back in touch and, and that's we, kind of how it happened. But we've got some um, amazing pictures of those first times when we was, that was, was huge for us, wasn't it? Oh, mate, Just yeah. Driving down there to Chris's down at Buckhurst Hill and being in the studio, eating pot noodle, got yeah. those pictures and it was, it was incredible. It's just like a dream to come true. So we, get, we had a lot to thank Chris for back in... Back in those days, yeah, he kicked it. He kicked it all off for us, didn't yeah, he? Really. Massively. What was it like working with him? Um, oh, well, I was well again being a shy lad. I was pretty nervous, and I remember as well. I had like, well, it would have been boy flu back then, but I had man flu then, and I felt absolutely crap. And I, I just, I just, just remember it as well. And and he was, he was really professional because he, you know, he he was starting up his label. It was already a success, and he'd had big success. And um, I think we really looked up to him, didn't we? Oh god, yeah, yeah, and then meeting everyone else on the label as well. It's 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 quite daunting to be yeah. honest to go into that. There's this group of friends that are working together, and there's these you know four scrotes yeah. come down from Clacton who weren't initially part of the because they were a real crew. They were yeah. they were the Night Force crew, and then suddenly we came down as outsiders, and it was like it was yeah that 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 was a bit sort of nerve wracking. Really, were they welcoming? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess there's a times when you're always going to feel that you're not. Because they'd all been friends for, for ages and, you know, we were sl- kind of the outsiders and, and we didn't spend that much time with them because we lived somewhere else and they all lived, you know, in the same place. So, you know, but uh, uh, as welcoming, yeah, absolutely. Um, we had good times, didn't we? It's, really it's good times. Good, good fun. And, and yeah. how much did he shape what you did in, in those early days? <clears throat> well, th- well, what th- what kind of happened was is we... we unlike today, if you were going to someone else's studio, you'd end up taking your laptop and a, you know... 
and a hard drive and that'd be about it but we went down there with two cars worth of keyboards and you name it we had it didn't we because obviously that's yeah. how it, everything so we went we set it all up and then chris got his um mixing engineer down i'm pretty sure his name was mike it was mike actually. yeah look at that my memory's legendary mike from strictly underground mike. strictly underground yeah. yeah so he would he would um do the levels and the, and the mastering for all of chris's stuff back then so we basically set all of our stuff up, didn't we? we? We were working on Notator at the time, which was a computer program back then on the Atari, I think. Mm. And um, yeah, so Chris would come and say, we need to add in some better break beats than that. We changed some break beats around, didn't we? And obviously Mike did. Uh, well, we changed it. The, the, the way we worked at the time, because we, we had Replay 2, was it? Is it? It's something called Replay 2. It's basically a sampler back in those days. You could have two samples playing at the same time. So... Our break beats were off of a drum machine, weren't they? Yeah, as opposed to uh, being real sample drums. Yeah, so one of the things, one of the first things that changed was sitting going through break beats, going, oh, let's try this and laying break beats yeah. together. And that kind of was the first big thing that Chris had kind of got us to do. And, and, and but we had to do that because we didn't have any other, yeah. an, any choice. You know, we couldn't sample any. But that was awesome else. for us because we were actually getting to use samples that you hear on other big records and it was like mm. yeah that's how we wanted it to sound but we couldn't quite make it sound like that in the first place and you started off quite dark 12 midnight um a sort of hardcore jungle crossover really cracking tune well i guess why didn't you make more of that stuff <laughs> well i guess 12 midnight was one of our first attempts of trying to be different wasn't it because mm. we wanted to do something different because everything was piano based and as far as i remember is there any piano in 12 minutes i can't remember but you know oh, let's try something different let's do something dark and that was kind of the first attempt at, at doing that because it's so not what you're known for uh, or you became known for in the end but it was but i think song. around that time it was it there was a darker vibe with the music massively darker vibe yeah i mean if you think it, about it as uh, metalheads around yeah. at that time and all that it kind was of coming stuff, out though. of the what I guess I would refer to as like the breakbeat hardcore stuff from the early nineties. And then this was before sort of jungle and drum and bass and hardcore kind of split because it wasn't sure where it was. So, and it was mostly dark. And then if you wanted to be dark, you followed down the drum and bass jungle route. And if you wanted to be more happy, that's when we, that's when it sort of turned into more of the hardcore route, I think, or the happy hardcore. What made you want to go down the happy route rather than the darker route? We were happy guys, weren't we? Yeah, absolutely. You are happy guys. Yeah. Is, is that a, an upbringing thing? Well, we like I said to you earlier, we we played both drum and bass and hardcore at at Oscars, and I think it was a natural progression for us because we'd started to make music that was hardcore, wasn't it? We, yeah. we didn't start making drum and bass; we started making. But hardcore. you can make an uplifting drum and bass. Oh, absolutely, what I mean absolutely. is the, the the sort of uplifting sound that you are became renowned for, and that you clearly you just said that you liked. Slipmat said. The reason I made Happy Hardcore is because I'm a positive, happy person. And so, therefore, my music reflected my the, the way I felt and the way I wanted to feel. Is that is that similar with you? And, you know, you, you say, Darren, that you're a, you're a bit of a mummy's boy, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you obviously have a nice family background and a nice family upbringing. And do you think that shaped the sort of music that you were making in that sort of more happy way? I mean, possibly. I mean, songs, you know, anything that was song-based or uplifting was where that's the kind of music that I would latch on to. So I guess, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, trying to get that kind of vibe into songs that we were making was, was what we were about. Yeah. Well, going back to the influences was early piano house. 
So we kind of, I, th- I think, took that. Yeah. And I always remember when writing vocals, I just had in my head still that kind of real st- stressed kind of female vocal thing going on which generally is happy the big piano behind it and i think that's where it all came from really yeah. isn't it and your early stuff was played by carl cox right and yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, were you, were you, did you hear him play it live your some of your stuff no that was in atmosphere magazine we kind of read about that wasn't yeah. it? yeah that was fall down on me wasn't it yeah he'd reviewed it And at the end of it, funny enough, he, he did his review. And then at the end, it said, this is how a breakbeat tune should be made. And we're just like, what yeah. the hell has he just said? <laughs> that, that was our very first release as well. Very first it? release, yeah. How did you so, feel? Oh, yeah, awesome. Wasn't it? That was on to red vinyl that. as well, wasn't it? It was <laughs> final, yeah. To get that kind of adulation from someone like him, it was like, Christ, this is, we might actually do all right at this. You know, so you, you didn't really <laughs> Is that when you it. thought maybe we can make a career out of it? I don't think that was ever. Yeah, I don't uh, think we really ever thought about no. that. We just, we were just, we were just in the moment doing it. Um, everyone says that as well. I think yeah. so far, everyone's at no point where they ever kind of no. like this is where I can make a career. You just well, no. I think keep I, going. We've said this so many times. That is where the dynamic changes. Is when it becomes a career and it's all about making money to pay the bills and not four guys having fun or two guys just having fun making music mm. because that's what you want to do. It changes. And suddenly the, the the need to make the next big track happens. And that's when and it's the be, lines get blurred a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's got to be difficult to balance as well, that whole needing to make money. Because everyone's got to pay bills, right? You yeah. can't do everything for free. But then also releasing music that you love and want to play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was working full time up until 95, I think, I left. And that's when we kind of... So all through the, <clears throat> the Force and Evolution stuff... Sense of Summer on Slipmat's label and very early Force and Styles days, I was still working full time. Um, and then it was only around 95 when I come out of that. In computer, were you doing computers at that? Oh, computer tech yeah, at the time, yeah. yeah. Um, it was a bloody good job and decent wages back in those days. And I went, oh, do you know what? Hmm. I'm out of it. <laughs> this, and funny enough, that the thing that I was at work one day, they must have known something was going on because I started off their clean cut straight out of school. <laughs> And then about 92, I started... Every Monday, he's terrible. I got him yeah, Literally, <laughs> what is wrong with you today? Oh, it's a weekend, wasn't it? Um, grew my hair, had a ponytail by the time I left there. <laughs> and um, I remember being at work and my mobile phone, we weren't allowed to have the phones on it. We did have those in those days, but 1995. Um, my phone rang and I was looking at it going, what's that? So I picked it up. Is that Paul? I said, yeah, it's Murray. Murray? Dreamscape. I was like, notice, <laughs> literally got that phone call and I'm like, that was me done. That's not a bad thing, is it? No, it's not a bad thing, no. <laughs> uh, in terms of sense of summer, uh, Paul's got a question. Mm. Why the name change? Ah, good question. Do you remember why? Of course I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so Standard. This is just an interview with force. Really, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't the a name change as in we weren't, we just wanted to, um, it, just, it was just another... It, it, it was very much done, as far as I can recall, for respect uh, to Chris, because Chris had taken us on to Night Force as Force and Evolution, and Matt wanted us to, to do some stuff with him. And we was like, we'd spoken to Chris, he's like, yeah, that's not, that's not really a problem, but he'd, he would have preferred it a name change, and we said, yeah, that's, you know, and we said to Matt, have you got an issue with that? And he said, no, not at all. So we did it really out of respect for Chris and keeping the Force and Evolution name on, on Night Force at the time. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. That makes and, sense. and how did you then end up as a duo? Um, why did you part from James and Paul? They were both working full time, weren't they? I yeah. think they were I both. It was. They, yeah. they, they were still working full time. And obviously, you'd quit your job. I didn't have a job. Never had a proper job. And then. Um, apart from behind the bar. Apart from behind the bar, yeah. <laughs> I, did work, I did work in a supermarket for about two weeks. But that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. did not enjoy that. And you think you you might end up back there soon. It's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Straight yeah. in there with the daggers. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm talking COVID, not. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we were still obviously Paul was Paul was there and the studio was at Paul's house. So I would I was still able to go around there and um, and make music, which is what we did. So what they just said, oh, we just can't do this. We just have to. We've got no, to I carry on with our ve- jobs. Very much like um, where there was that kind of change when Darren started doing unique and things like that. Circumstance allowed it to happen. So Paul and James were working full time. We were in the studio. Oh, let's do some stuff together. You know, and and funnily enough. Even though we did that, the first release on UK Dance was Paul and James's track, right. New Motion. Um, so they kind of worked together and we did our stuff together and that's kind of how it happened. And when did they just leave a scene and you um, know, go away? And how did they know. feel about that as well? Because, you know, you said you were gutted when you split up as a twosome. When they were leaving the evolution, they must have been upset too. I mean, I guess I don't know. I mean, no one's ever really said anything no. about I mean, it. James I mean, carried on making music, didn't he? Yeah, James is still making yeah. music now. Yeah, but I, I mean, there was it was you know nothing was ever said at the time. I don't think anyone felt bad about it. Not that it's told us anyway. So <laughs> they might now after they hear this, possibly. Who knows? <laughs> well, we'll get them on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So which of your tunes that you've released, both as Force and Styles and Force and Evolution, are you the most proud of and are you the least proud of? Most proud? It's very difficult because, you know, I'm I'm super proud of those. Um, of them all. You know, the, the the first Force and Evolution record, because obviously that's, that, that was our, you know, initial start that we actually had a record, you know, a, a physical record in our hand with our music on it. So... I'm proud we got that moment, which again is, you know, thanks to Chris for giving us that opportunity. In terms of force and styles, um, you know, part of me wants to say Heart of Gold because that was so huge for us, Pretty Green Eyes, because it's continued to be huge for us. Pacific Sun, I still love. Um, Paradise and Dreams is, is, you know, holds a special place in my heart as well, that that record. Um, I think at least, least proud. Um I'm not sure Funfair was our finest moment. Shocker. I love that tune. How dare you? Have you ever climbed a mountain and tried to touch the stars? Have you flown a rocket to the moon? But, um, yeah. Well, there was, a re- there was a reason for Funfair. And again, it was one of those things. Try- I mean, Hicksy had obviously come out with Toy Town with Sharky. And it was just us putting our little slant on that, really, mm. wasn't it? I yeah. mean, I'll, you know let's do one of those that's, that's yeah like no that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> what it is again you see you see something work on the dance floor and you think oh we'll try and make something in, in our kind of style i remember like getting that. so much grief when we went down to jts to cuts and dubs that week Do you remember that <laughs> oh yeah i, I could bet actually. Freddy fresh, <laughs> Freddy fresh play it was like 
Yeah, I'm like, what, what's this shit? <laughs> what the fuck is this? He probably just had like Fabio and Groove Rider in bringing like the coolest drummer bass yeah. in. And then suddenly we turn up with Funfair and it's like, have you ever climbed a mountain and tried to touch the stars? fucking business, mate. Just oh. cut the record. Oh, Freddie was funny though. He really was. He used to cane me because I turned up with a packed lunch made by my mum. He'd literally be cut, he would be cutting dubs, right? Drinking a red stripe and I'd be sitting there eating a sandwich that my mum had made me that morning. <laughs> Very sweet. You, you know, you said uh, you've said before that you didn't make a huge amount of money, but you did set up your own record label, UK Dance. How did you not make any money? Well, like I said, the, the money we did make went back into the studio. Right, okay. So, and, and was that an error? I suppose if we knew at that time that that equipment would be defunct within a few years, and mm. probably yeah. But mm. um, at the time, it's what we wanted to do. <sighs> Is it an error? Possibly. I don't know. How easy was it to set up a label back then? Very easy. It was easy. Yeah, it, it, everyone was doing it, weren't they? I yeah. mean, that's that's the yeah. thing. Then it's just. You know, you go to a press implant. I mean, they did it all for you anyway. All you do is you send down your masters; they they do it all for you. You pay them. It's simple as that, really. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we've uh, we've heard about your the songs that you love of your own, and you're not so keen of of your own. Uh, but on the Nineties Road podcast, we uh, like to find out which tunes that you absolutely hate, which rave tunes you hate, and you want to put into tune one hundred and one. So uh, we want three tunes. Three. Yeah. You can't think of three bad rave tunes well, no, over the last can I start? Years. Can I start with one? It is actually one of ours, and there's a there's a reason for this. Um, and I think it was probably the only one that we haven't done in our own studio. Do you remember it? We, it's, I think it's called Dancing Through the Night. It came out on Impact. And oh, yeah. We did it with John with Seduction. Now, not, I mean, John is an awesome producer and the, the track, well, when it doesn't sound like a Force and Styles track, it sounds like Seduction. Um, and I think my bugbear is that it's the first time we'd gone to a studio and I was sat there like a lemon while he was on the keyboard, John was doing the producing and I did nothing. So did you let you twiddle any of the knobs in his own Seduction studio? track, to be honest with you. It's got to go further right, mate. It's got to go further right. So that for me... Did you still it, get royalties for that? Because we need to have words about that. I think we do need to have a chat with him <laughs> if we can find him. Um, but that for me was a track that I... I listened to it and I think, who's done that? And then someone goes, it's yours. And it's like really and then i look back at oh god yeah i remember doing that now and so that for me is a track that i just kind of would like to sort of cool. put but away you, but you, you don't get to cop out just by picking one of your damn own yeah, tunes. you've got to pick other people's <laughs> tunes yes lay it all down oh my god well i mean like we were saying earlier there's there's yeah there's there's been some bad tunes but i i, I can't say that i hate any of them because they make up the whole such a good the whole the whole thing no but <laughs> but, but listen i'm not gonna be i might be controversial with this because but let me explain myself i would put toy town in right and the reason i put toy town in is not because it's a bad record because it's it's an amazing record and still is i think anyway but it was so goddamn big that anything else that you played around it at that time that that record came out just didn't cut the mustard because it was just so massive and you could not not play it. Do you know what I mean? And everyone played it. Every DJ at the gigs was playing that record. So you turned up to a rave from nine till five and that was that was getting played in every DJ set. So that's probably the only reason I'd put that in is because it was so big at the time, it was almost too big. So sorry, Hicksy and Sharky, it's gone in room 101. Yeah. <laughs> it's a not little, the first time, actually. Also also not, no, you're not the first person to say it. There's also another track. I don't know if you, have you heard this track called Striker? 
<laughs> I think that can go in as well. Yeah. Paul's obviously listened to a previous podcast of ours. <laughs> oh, there was a lot of bad hardcore tunes, wasn't there? There was a period where it got incredibly cheesy and badly produced more. Well, do you know what? Going back to, I think we mentioned it earlier, um, that I mean, we had a, a, a set of tracks that we, we kind of stuck to, to play in and we would only play the ones that we thought were really worth playing. And half the time, the others, you don't know what they're called because you're kind of not playing them. So that's the reason we didn't play them is because we didn't like them. You but can what? always sing the ones you didn't like. No. And, um, we'll, no Darren, uh, yeah. we'll be able Darren to name them. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, he'll sing it. Like I said, if you've got the auto-tune handy, I'll <laughs> <Yeah>. gladly do <laughs> it. I mean, it's such a difficult question because I couldn't honestly think off the top of my head, apart from, because I, I had that track that I, I mentioned, The Dance Through the Night. Um, that was the one I really wasn't into and um i'd probably do it with labels i mean there was some of the labels that um have been mentioned earlier which are were just kind of sample based there was no kind of it was just bootleg <clears throat> stuff really and a lot of that i can't even remember some of the names of the flipping labels now but this was kind of probably about 94 95 just transitioning between naughty naughty right that would not, be one well do you know what's the funny thing is naughty naughty the first couple were actually really good I but like then, a lot yeah, of yeah. I, I used to play yeah. the first couple were really good and then i think they've run out of ideas well it was and just total complete bootlegs it weren't it was yeah. complete bootlegs yeah so uh so there's some labels you kind of steer clear of after they got to the, about the third release, <laughs> there's nothing else to go with it. So yeah, uh, it's yeah, that's about as far as I can go with that. Just quickly, um, you mentioned that dancing through the night. Yeah. What about the flip side, down to love? That as well. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, they sound. I mean, you can tell Seduction's engineered them. Yeah. But down to love sounds more Force and Stylesy than mm. than through the night. Yeah, I, I think for me the reason. It was because of the whole. I, I was kind of so outside of it and didn't really have, apart from saying, "Oh yeah, I like that," and I like that. Didn't have much input mm. and involvement in the track, so it always felt a bit weird to me. Um, I did listen to them again the other day. It was literally, I think I can't remember who it was that said to me about this track with your name on it, and I listened to it and I was like, and then I had to look it up and then figured it was the one that we'd done with John, um, and that's why I didn't sound like us and I didn't recognise it. So. I don't think we really played them in our sets as well, did we? No. Yeah. That's telling. Yeah. Yeah, I but, mean, it's, it's, not, it's, you know, no disrespect to John at all because he was a fabulous production producer. Was yeah, ridiculously it, good, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it was, it was a, you know, for us to go down there and actually work in his studio and see him working and stuff, it was awesome. Yeah. So, sorry, so I'm going to ask another question then. So, Sense of Summer on top, easing yes. on Slipmat Studio. Uh, well, we made them, didn't we, at home? We, yeah, we made the tracks and then we took them down to the studio that Matt was using right. and his engineer mixed them down, basically, right, okay. is what happened. Got so it. it was a similar situation to working down at Night Force. It was making them at home, taking all the kit down there, plugging it all in, and, and that's why, again, they will sound slightly different. However, it is uh, um, our content. Cool. On top is like just about as happy as it gets. <laughs> like, it's, but it's such a fucking tune. Absolute tune. And then, of course, there's Techno Around the World, which was really kind of the first delve into a bit of kick drum. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, uh, but we tried to mix it up a bit. Um, what's, what's on the other side of... Um, easing on. Easing on. Yeah. 
which was just obviously full on. That was one of my favourites, that one. Yeah, you said that. Except for the amount of thunder that we put in there. We've kind of overdone it a little bit on the thunder. Yeah. Let's use a thunder. We've got a thunder sample. Yeah. Now we arrive at our Mr. and Mrs. where we get to, uh, well, we get to find more, more out about you guys and maybe you'll find things out about each other. Um, shall I go first? You can indeed, yes. Okay, so this is uh, to you, Darren. If, uh, if Falls could have plastic surgery, <laughs> what one thing would he have done? Uh, make his legs longer. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I know he's mentioned it. It's not a bad idea. Really. <laughs> uh, uh, what, uh, Darren, is the most embarrassing thing that Paul has ever done? Embarrassing to all. Oh, there's a few. Yeah, no, there, oh, okay, probably the most embarrassing thing. Oh, no, there's, I mean, there's a few, but they're all, they're all remember embarrassing. Remember, listening fun. to this, Darren. Um, <laughs> no, um, there, there was, no, there was an embarrassing time, actually, at Hardcore Heaven in Bristol when um, he played the same record twice in the, in the set. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Funnily enough, I've been known to do that quite a lot. Okay, <laughs> so it's not embarrassing. Okay. It's oh, just no, doing a cool That's your thing. Did, well, as you've noticed today, my long-term memory is fantastic. My short-term is shot. So, so uh, okay. Good <laughs> to be fair, if you've got a tune that's a winner... Absolutely. Just play it just twice. Play it. Why stop why it twice? Not? There's a funny, <laughs> funny little story to add to that. Sorry to uh, mess this uh, little segment up. So... Our friend Lee, who's now his agent, has got a pub in Colchester. And he's occasionally asked me to, you know, if they haven't got a DJ, can you come down and DJ? Just, you know, just random pop stuff or wedding set, as I call it. And the first time he'd asked me to do it, gone in and our friend Mark was there and decided to get me a little bit drunk on, on various shots. And I was DJing away and I was having great fun until one of the barmen came over and said, Paul, you do realise this is the fourth time you've played this? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it wasn't twice it see, was four times wow <laughs> see, you see where I'm coming from right yeah, yeah apologise for that okay so uh, Darren what is the most likely thing that Paul would end up going to prison for <laughs> oh my gosh overpopulating the world with children <laughs> don't move to China <laughs> don't move to China yeah <laughs> Uh, and which celebrity would he say he most looks like, Darren? George Clooney, maybe? Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's yeah. Okay, yeah Silver Fox. Yeah. Loves an espresso. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, far too many of them. And <laughs> um, what would he say is the main thing you're most likely to argue about? Oh, gosh. Well, that's a tricky one because we've never argued, but um, I have no idea. His hair colour. Oh yeah, oh, but he go. still has it. Yeah, okay, that's a good. That's a good one actually. Uh, what would you? What would he say? Or would you say that he would say is his worst habit? Mister Hobbs's worst habit. I mean, I know he used to bite his nails and uh, still do. So yeah, probably biting nails. Okay. And um, who would he say is the most talented musically out of the two of you? <laughs> who Who would he say? Who would he? Say? I mean, I think he. I think he, I'm honest would, about that, aren't I? Yeah, you've said it to yeah. me many times, so yeah, he would say me. <laughs> and is he right? Yeah. 
<laughs> Musically, well, as in playing the keyboard, I'd say yes. <laughs> and singing, of course. Well, that as well. well, that's not too bad. You did, uh, how many do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We had, you got five. That's quite good. Oh, you okay, right. Quite well. Paul, now it's your turn. Um, who is the biggest Essex boy? I guess that's probably got to be me, is it? Would you agree <laughs> with that one, Darren? I would agree with that one. <laughs> Uh, who would he say is his celebrity crush? Ooh. I'll probably go with Danny again. <laughs> no, it sounds like it's been updated. Yeah. No, well, do you know what? It, I'll tell you what. It used to be um, Cheryl from Girls Aloud. Oh, That's who it used to be. I don't really have one these days, but yeah, she she was she used to be my celeb crush. Okay. I think that's a... That's a, no, that's yeah, a that's definite no. Which tune would he say is his favourite that you made together? Pick one of the four that I mentioned. Yeah. I'll just say yes. <laughs> Let's go with Pacific Sun. But you know, he did say short-term memory is shit. <laughs> That's so. true. That's true. Yeah, if I picked one of the non-four, that would have been ridiculous. Yeah, so let's go Pacific yeah, Sun. Yeah, no, I, I, if I was... If I was put to the point, I'd say it was Pacific Sun. I know the answer to this myself. Uh, God, I Who gets line. into the most trouble? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd best come clean and say it's that me. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we thought yeah, probably it would be that. Do we even need to wait for <laughs> no, him to I answer, even really? don't to ask that question. Um, what would Darren say is his biggest achievement? Ooh. Oh, that's interesting because he's got one recently, um, which was quite a big achievement, I think. But I don't know if it's his biggest because you've got these, the Spotify. How many how many streams was it on Spotify? Um, 10 million. 10 million wow. streams on Spotify. Jeez, for, one, for, for electric, or was it just the label for, in general? Or, no, for Switch. Just for, for Switch, yeah, that's it, yeah. 10 million for one song? Yeah. Wow. So what's that about? Thirty-five p. Spotify. You actually, I tell you what, they are terrible. But you, you can work it out by um, it's they they give you four grand per million stream, basically. Right. Okay. So yeah, it's not it's not great in comparison to what it used to be like yeah, in terms you know, of sales. It's not. But it's, it's not bad. If you're paying, if you're getting ten million, it's all right. Realistically, it was that the that in, did, in terms did, of achievement. It did wasn't you know? Bad. I mean, you probably know this. Um, that you know that the they include streams now on the, in the charts, hmm. right? And so basically, that you have to listen to half a minute of a tune for it to count as a stream. And so Ed Sheeran is like the top, right? Yeah. By some quite a distance, I think it was, it was a year or two ago, anyway. And I read that a lot of artists, and I wonder if you're doing this, Darren. A lot of artists are creating intros that are fantastic. <laughs> And then the rest of the tune doesn't really fucking matter. So, uh, <laughs> is that something that you've that you've that you've I don't that's know, made, you know have you have you been listened to ten million times, but just for thirty one seconds? I don't know, but I'm a, I'm going to leave this interview now and go back to the studio and start making some intros. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and next question: uh, What is his phobia or fear? Oh God, I didn't. Know there is. Everyone's got one. Oh, God, do you know what? It's a long time, isn't it? I don't know what it is. You never used to like travelling much back in the day, did you? So flying was always one of them. Um, there is another one, which I can't remember what it is now. Do you but still have a phobia of flying? I mean, that's not very compatible with I the job, is it? I didn't have a phobia of flying. I mean, if, if I would have said you're right with that anyway, yeah. Um, it's not a phobia of flying. I just didn't. I was homesick. Just didn't like travelling. Yeah, basically. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy thing to be in the job that I'm in. But um, I've kind of grown with it now, but um, I've obviously had to. But back in the day when it first, when we first started doing it, it was, it used to 
fill me with a lot of anxiety. You've that would have been your mum then initially, but now you've got your own family. Yeah. Do you still feel that for your family now? And sometimes do you take them with you because because it's very difficult to to go away and need yeah, your family no, all the no, time. No, they don't come with me when I when I travel but um yeah i do i do sometimes get i think the difference now is obviously i've grown i've grown up with it and plus i've had to because i generally travel on my own i mean back then we traveled as a twosome or if not more of us but whereas now it's i'm generally going here there and everywhere on my own unless i'm i've got a tour manager with me but yeah sometimes when i look at my diary and i see tours in china and then going over to somewhere else in malaysia and then somewhere else that can fill me with a little bit of dread if i'm honest until i until i'm there playing the gigs the traveling side of it still yeah sort of weighs a bit on me is, is, is that the homesickness and the, the the all the travel itself it's probably both i don't enjoy the travel um and i miss being home it's yeah as simple as that really I miss i miss sort of just being home just no, normal normal stuff but the gigs the shows themselves will when you're up there doing it, you know, everything else sort of pales into... And also you're providing for your family too, aren't Absolutely, you? So it's, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a choice it's, you make. It's, it's, a bit, it's my business, so it's, it's what I have to do, but um, yeah. Okay. It is so quite, that's a, a long-winded answer. Sorry. Yeah, but it is quite lonely though. I think everyone thinks it's all just glam, glam, glam. No, it, but it, absolutely. it's travelling by yourself yeah. and oh, being, it, on, missing on, family. And... On paper, it looks awesome when you're sort of, <clears throat> when you're doing shows here, there and everywhere. But realistically, you're on a plane, you go play that place, you don't really see any of it, you're on a plane again the next morning, you've had no sleep. Um, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, you can sleep on the plane, it's absolutely fine. But well, that's fine if you can sleep on a plane, but generally most people can't sleep particularly well. <clears throat> and then you go somewhere else and you're picked up by people you've never met before mm. and then you go and play the gig. And, and then- Is it, do you fly, do you insist on first class do you, or do you have to go in cattle class? It's... It's, it's usually business, actually. So okay. it does that. I mean, that joking aside, it bit, takes right? the sting off it. It does take the sting <laughs> off it. But, uh, but you know, realistically, I've been doing it for 26, 27 years. So um, it's something that I just, you know. We're not calling you a diva, mate. You no. do what you've got to do. You just, you you just, just, just got to do it. If someone's willing to put the bill, why not? You know? Yeah, you've, mm. you've, you've, you just, you've got to do it to keep, you know, some yeah. sort of level of sanity. Mm. Well, fu- a funny little story. I hope he doesn't mind me telling you this because <clears throat> we, we still, up until recently, we was playing for George in, in Canada, weren't we? Yes. In the Heart of Gold parties in Toronto. <clears throat> and of course, he's only going back a few years, so he's done so much more since, obviously, those old days. But getting onto the plane... <laughs> He turns left, I turn right, and... <laughs> See you later, kids. See you later, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I, I think I sent him some peanuts. <laughs> but do you know what? It is what it is. He's deserved every bit of it. Yeah. So, Well, I'm uh, delighted to say that you are level pegging going into this last question. Ooh. So it's make or break. It's five all. This is a very important one. Who is the funniest? Oh, funny in different ways. Mm. Um, he's really good at, I don't know, just having these funny man- mannerisms and stuff like that. Um, I'm probably more off the cuff, taking the piss kind of funny, maybe, possibly, but, um, like, like these little duck faces doing that. So who's the funniest, Paul? <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to go for me, actually. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Oh, <laughs> I'll give him that. Go. I'll give him and that And in seeding that, not only have you admitted that, you're the, he, that he's the funniest, you've lost the well, Mr. and Mrs. Yeah, round. Yeah, win. That is, the kind of, that is the kind of guy I am. However, however, 
Finish the equaliser. No, 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 no. <laughs> but we didn't clarify this point because he said your question was about my biggest achievement, and he mentioned about the switch. Uh, that's true. However, yeah. and I, actually, and, and you didn't say to me, Darren. Darren, what's, uh, what is it? You know, are we going to level this up? Hold on, I didn't f- finish answering. Let's go back to it. Son. So I was actually going to say he's had so many achievements during his career. It's going to be very difficult. I would say Tomorrowland is probably one of them. Electric Daisy Carnival is probably one of them. Um, as well as the Switch. Thing. And you can frankly say um, anything now, Darren, to even this up. So, uh, <laughs> damn right, that's what I'm going to do. No, no, no. But I mean, you know what you should have said. All of it. It's well, I'm going to wait for his answer first. Go on. Um, no, I am obviously proud of those achievements. However, um, skydiving going to number four in the official charts was my favourite. Okay. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. You what you really should have said was having a family, and he wouldn't have been able to deny that. <laughs> yes. So does this mean it's now equal? It. It's, 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 it's five all. Yeah, five, five all. They're going to have to arm wrestle. Oh to, uh, God! No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a bit of extra content. <laughs> Well, well, look, I think that's fair enough. We'll call it a draw. draw and look at that. Done there you well. go. Well done. Boom. Oh, well, well done. done. <laughs> so we're still here with Force and Styles on Raw, the night is Ray podcast with me, Tom Latcham and Chrissy Richards. Um, you had a partnership, famous partnership with MC Junior. Uh, he featured on several of your records. How did you end up working with him in the first place? Oh, Christ. Well, back, right back when early days of Oscars, he was emceeing at Oscars. Um, and then he was, then he, then he vanished. Um, I didn't know where he'd gone. I think we can guess where he'd gone. <laughs> and then, um, then a few years later he appeared, he went, all right, Fawzi, what are you up to? And we played, um, uh, play what we're doing. He's like, what the fuck's this? <laughs> you know, because it had gone so quickly from what was, you know, old, old, Proper ninety-two breakbeat uh, piano stuff to more four to the floor, probably one sixty-five at the time, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and then it just—I mean, I can't remember the actual transition from. Did he come straight into the studio, or did he come out on a couple of gigs first? Um, I think he came on a few gigs first, but he'd written Pretty Green Eyes, hadn't he? He'd written Pretty Green Eyes, although yeah. it was initially Pretty Brown Eyes. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is this a known fact? I don't remember. No. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was pretty brown eyes because he, he wrote it about someone with brown eyes and then he started seeing someone else with green eyes. So he changed <laughs> <it up. laughs> I'm telling you, that's true. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, he's not <laughs> here. He couldn't not change it. He's could not here to validate that story, would have that said, is true. But his girlfriend at the time would have said, so who genius. the fuck's this with pretty brown eyes? Mm. So yeah. junior as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is... done pretty eyes. The funny thing is, I remember... I remember when we'd done it and it was, we just finished it. It was Dougal's birthday, was it? And we'd gone. It was, yeah, it was Dougal's 21st. birthday, it was 21st. And we'd gone to Milton Keynes to go go-karting. And there's a bunch of us. There was Matt, Ramos Supreme, Vinyl Groover, Dougal, a couple of others. Yeah. Um, I think Charlie was up there as well, Charlie B, wasn't he? Yeah, who won that night? Can we remember I who can't won? remember, Dale. Who was it? Was it you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the light, people who were lightest win at That's go-karting. That's what it was. So. Yeah. And, and um, we'd literally... It must have been that day we'd kind of been putting it together and got to a point where yeah. we thought, shall we play it to the boys later? Because it was so different. No one had used a male vocal in a in a hardcore track. Um, it was a proper it, song. It, it was, was a, a proper. Song. It, wasn't it was like a proper a song. It wasn't as uplifting as other things. I was just like, God, I don't know how they're going to take this. And I remember, I think 
was it Dougal come out afterwards and we're sat in the car. He's going, oh, cheers, come boys. Dougie, come and have a listen to this. See if, um, see what you think. And we played it and he was like, fuck, that's incredible. And we're like, really? Well, you like it. <laughs> He's like, and then everyone heard it. And we're like, oh, that's absolutely amazing. And it was only at that point <clears throat> that we really kind of realized we was onto yeah. something, um, something massive at the time. So, yeah, and, and that was that was obviously the first thing that, he, that we'd done with him, wasn't it? Yeah. So what did you rate about him so much that, that you made him your MC? I mean, obviously he could sing very well and, and that was something different that he brought <laughs> I to I don't it, think but... we had any choice in him being our MC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, he's one of those guys where he was, he, you know, if you were DJing as a resident down at Oscars, if you didn't know him, it didn't matter because he was on your set anyway. He was, he was, he was going to MC for you. Yeah. As simple as that. But, you know, his, his personality was next level he was doing things differently to anybody else that was out there um and that that sort of came through on in our tunes as well and what was great was as time and i mean he he become i mean he's got mates all over and people loved him everywhere you know probably the only big black guy in a hardcore rave and singing uh, singing yeah. and everyone it it, it like it, it disappear and you're like, where are you going this weekend, Jay? I'm going to Birkenhead to see all my boys. And Alfie <laughs> go to Birkenhead and stay up in Birkenhead for the week. You know, he had friends all over and everyone just loved him. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he's a special character. And how did, how you, did f- you... Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how did you feel when he went to prison for burglary? <sighs> I mean, that was right at the time we was just being signed to Diverse, wasn't it? Yeah. And yeah, it was bad timing. Very bad timing. However, they um, they all kind of got round us, and they were trying to. Um, they all come to court, and obviously, you know, said, "Oh, this is what he's up to. This is what he's doing." Obviously, still um, didn't really help the situation, and he ended up doing doing his time. Um, so it's devastating, really, wasn't it? Um, but I can't remember the timeline of how things happened. We already recorded some. We had recorded some bits at that time, hadn't we? Or was it after we can, he came out? I can't remember how. No, I think we'd pretty much recorded. Pretty much recorded everything. Yeah, um, maybe maybe not cutting so, deep. So it was more to the point of he couldn't do any live live stuff and couldn't do any promotion and and and, and anything like that. So um, so yeah, that was a bit devastating at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. And then um, so we tried to have people. Uh, obviously, I think Charlie did a lot of our sets. Yeah. At the he, time, he stepped in, didn't he? Whilst uh, and, until that famed day at Helter Skelter when he when he stood on the stage and and uh, that was Helter Skelter Nightlife '99, the Braveheart uh, moment. It, it, the yeah, Braveheart exactly. Moment. Yeah. So you stood by him. Uh, oh, of God, course. Yeah, was yeah, was yeah. there any thought that you wouldn't do that? I mean, you know, it's not a great look. Uh, I, I know he's you, you shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but he he was a burglar, and it's yeah. not a great look to be associated with a burglar. Yeah. Was there any thought that you'd he, stand he by did, him? The thing is, the, the difference was he he did that prior to us knowing him didn't he as far as yeah. i'm aware because actually what i think what happened was he was on the run wasn't he so and then they finally He's caught making it worse didn't he? well no he was he never <laughs> knew. so what what i'm saying was he'd 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 made some mistakes in but a then pole. in a pole after him he'd made he'd, some, he'd made some mistakes and then yeah you know things were changing you know he'd got involved with us and the music was going well and you know to my knowledge he hadn't done anything it was unfortunate that it was uh, something that had happened years ago and I think <laughs> I can't remember how it actually happened but he got 
grasped up by an ex-girlfriend. And, that, um, would that be over the green eyes, brown eyes? <laughs> yeah, quite possibly, yeah. That might have been the catalyst. Um, it was the brown eyes one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was yeah. a blue-eyed one. Yeah. <laughs> but did, do, do you know what? The, the funny thing is, as much as you say, oh, would you stick by it? Um, there was, a, um, I think Pacific Sun was written whilst in prison, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, that was obviously, that was earlier. But you say about, you know, he'd, he'd written that whilst inside, I believe. And then he come out. Right. And then we started doing that 96. It was because we, we come back stu- from Australia. We come back from Australia and finished it. And that's how it got the name Pacific Sun. It's because we started this track. Right. Everyone would have naturally called it Lullaby, mm. but we'd just been to Australia, got back and named it Pacific Sun. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously no he, sat, he sadly passed away in January 2012. Uh, how did you feel when you heard <sighs> the news? Devastated. I mean, it's um, this is a, a shock, wasn't it? Yeah, I had a friend of mine that I hadn't spoke to, a guy called Sean, phoned us up, who had been good mates with Jay, and actually, funny enough, Sean used to drive us around, didn't he? A lot of the time doing PAs and, yeah. and stuff like that. I'd not spoken to him for years, and he'd phoned me up and and told me about it. I just think. I'd Cried for hours, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what what can you say? I mean, it it was it was devastating at the time, and every New Year since then, is you know, play a track for him and have a drink for him and everything else. Um, but yeah, and the funny <laughs> there is a funny funny thing to that when I was listening to some old dats um, a few months back just going through some old dats and old recordings of, of vocal sessions that we'd done. And I was just sitting there just laughing my head off because there's, there's Jay tried singing a song which used to take a while, didn't it? I mean, he, the, There's the, a good few takes involved. The brilliant thing about him, when he got the right take, it was genius because you just go, that's it. But to get there <laughs> took a lot of work and a lot of dats half yeah. the time, didn't it? But the, the conversations between us and just listening to it, I mean – we should actually put some of this stuff on. You absolutely should, 100%. It is so, so funny. And I remember one of you getting the ump with him and going, for God's sake, Jay, just get it right, man. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what he, what he would do differently to everybody else is that um, he, most people would write their lyrics down and sort of, you know, go through them and create that way. His literally would come from the top of his head wasn't it most of it a lot of the time he just he'd just almost be freestyling but not rapping just singing and then sometimes we'd end up taking the best cuts and just <laughs> yeah, spicing yeah, yeah. it together but um we'd be like yes jay that was the line that that one there remember do that, that again do that again he'd be no like, chance no chance he'd, he'd, he'd forgotten it already <laughs> do you know what I mean then he was on to the next one so that's but that's why we just kept the dat running and he'd just record it yeah, all so there's, there's loads of that and what we used to do as well was take parts of so he'd just ad lib and then we'd take parts we'd like and then finish writing the song as well that happened on a few occasions mm. i so. definitely think some of that should be part of your 25th anniversary i think it releases. should do i mean i i, I, I think people to would it. love to also just yeah. hear uh, stuff from junior after his <laughs> passing you know well the, we used to do some uh recordings of uh for our parties we, the uk dance parties down in clacton and you used to do some of them didn't you but junior did some and it's just hilarious trying because it, it was scripted and that was the worst thing in the world you could do for junior script anything because he i don't think he ever we ended up going oh that and we just end up going with what he did half the time 
but yeah it does bring you know it, so it's so sad in passing it does bring a smile listening to some of that old stuff and and he lives on in some of your biggest records absolutely he does yeah absolutely yeah um and actually one of the one of the one of the funniest things it's not funny because i'm pretty good a lot of people won't know this because a lot of people don't look at lyrics and and and, and follow the lyrics they just sing along to the melody and stuff like that so the the actual song was fantastic when ultra beat did the song and you remember this mm-hmm. we got sent the version the ultra beat version we're listening to it it's it a bit strange that one and they changed they they misheard some of the lyrics and and they got the words wrong in the song so we'd we'd phoned up um all around the world and said yeah they've, they've got some of the lyrics wrong they said well we've pressed two hundred thousand now there's not a lot we could do about it so so we got released and did all of that with the wrong lyric so and it wasn't pretty brown eyes that they put in there no, that's good. <laughs> no it was it was the lyric though life's been unkind but they sung let me let remind me remind so i mean it had a real meaning though life's been unkind she chose not to cry became let me remind she chose not to cry which doesn't have quite the same doesn't meaning. actually even make no. sense it doesn't, yeah. actually, it doesn't really <laughs> make sense, sense. Didn't matter. No. <laughs> no um and interestingly enough there's um i should say there's a version being done at the moment by some house guys um we got asked by the publishing company is it okay for them to do it and has listened to it it sounds sounds quite nice doesn't yeah, it that sounds really good um but they've used the, the lyric from the Ultra Beat version because obviously they don't know the other one. Yeah. So to go mm. back, could you ask them to change this, please, before they finish it? Are they going <laughs> to? Yeah. Yeah, sounds okay, like good. it. Okay, so. good. And how did Jenna come into your lives? She firstly lived around the corner from Paul. Literally about eight doors away. It's all very yeah. handy, this, isn't it? Yeah. It's very incestuous, isn't it? Everything was falling in our lap at the time. Wasn't yeah. it? it was just one of those. But she was going out with um, a guy called Dave who was uh, to live at mine. living at Paul's. <laughs> oh, there you go. And um, she also went to my school and I knew she could sing because I'd seen her in sort of various plays at school and stuff. And um, yeah, so we thought we'd give it a go, didn't we? Yeah, and uh, good job we did, really. Yeah, It just absolutely. worked out perfectly. I mean, the, the great thing was if ever we had, because the studio was in my house, <clears throat> if ever we needed to pop round and can you sing or re-sing something or whatever, she just found the corner. She is, I mean... When it comes to hardcore, she's probably the only vocalist that everyone knows the name of. There'd be there'd be Jen and there'd be Lisa, I should think. But um, you know, Jen's kind of she's such a sweet, isn't she? She's just such a lovely girl. Yeah. So everybody and knows who Jenna is. But with knows a lot Jenna. of tunes, you could people will sing along to. They've no idea who that vocalist is, but yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. knows who Jenna is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. What she had she a very like distinctive voice as well, didn't she? She did. Oh my gosh, she's like. She had more bounce than Zebedee. You know, she, was, <laughs> she still has. Yeah, she still has. She still has got yeah, more yeah. bounce than Zebedee. I mean, yeah, she's, she was a really fun personality. Really nice girl. But nothing, nothing was ever too much of a problem, you know, if for, I mean, you know, no vocalist now is it first time. So it didn't matter how many times it took. She'd be there until we said, yep, it's right. Yeah, we got it. And then, you know, and that's how it works. Some were done quicker than others. Um, it's not, Luckily, he could kind of, you know, he could sing a damn sight better than me. But you'd laugh when I'm trying to get an idea over, if I'd written a vocal, trying to get an idea over to Darren. How come there's never been any duets in hardcore? There has. There has. Oh, have there? Yeah. I mean, that sounds awful. But uh, Yeah, Paradise and Dreams. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, we did a duet version, which was Junior and Kelia. Ah. Yeah. Did you never want to do a duet with anybody? Because you can sing, obviously, Darren. Oh, I think they'd show me up, mate, to be honest. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> I'm happy to do a duet. Yeah, let's go. Let's well, do why, don't, why stop at two? I mean, we'll all do it. 
We'll all get just, involved. Just, just layer it up and we'll be good. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, the, you did say that you joined COVID, you were experimenting with a different sound. This is true. Uh, this is a very different sound. <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> and I can tell you, it's never been heard before. Never heard before <laughs> Probably no. never again afterwards. <laughs> um, those songs that you created with Jenna and with Junior, they trans, they put you into a another sphere really didn't they and you were playing out to huge numbers at raves every week you know you got the first hardcore act to do a, a pete tong essential selection mix on radio yep. one you must have felt absolutely on top of your game darren we did yeah but again like i said before you kind of you're in the moment so you kind of you you're going through the motions and even though we were making those tunes like heart of gold and pretty green eyes they were all firsts for us and probably firsts for everyone else. Like I say, when we played them to um, the guys at Dougal's 21st birthday, it's like we, it, it was like nothing was scripted. So we were just, we were going with the flow. Unfortunately, the flow at the time was, was right. Was right. <laughs> yeah. We, we were, I think we were doing something that hadn't been done before because the, the irony is, and I've said this before, is that when we were trying to make tunes initially with the vocalist, um, most big tunes just had hooks. They were like a big chorus or a sample or something like that. So when we had the use of Junior and Jenna, and obviously Paul with his writing of the songs, there was more scope to do more, make an actual song-based record, which most people probably wouldn't have thought would have worked, probably even including us at the time, actually putting a full verse and chorus or a bridge or a song on you know, a 170 BPM hardcore record. It, was, it wasn't something that had been done. No. So, which is why we were probably a bit tentative when we would ask people, you know, if if, if they were going to like it, and then suddenly, you know, do you think Pete Tong liked it? Do you think it was he 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 no. heard it and no, no, no I very much doubt it. No, I doubt it. I mean, in in all honesty, um, we we kind of well, like most things in life, you kind of get aided with things getting in certain places, and we had um, some friends that were batting in our corner, basically, that kind of pushed it in the right direction. It just happened to happen. So. Um, you know whether he was happy with it who knows Pete and, might be able to tell us and did you like the tunes that you were making you were ravers if you'd have been raving and you'd have heard those songs would you have liked those songs to rave to I don't think we would have made them if we if we didn't you know we well, we were making music that we well perfect example of that is I think the later stuff we weren't happy with and, and yeah. didn't like so much so you know and um, they didn't end up in our sets you know so no. we'd, be, we'd be making stuff and then they wouldn't end up in a set. What about With or Without You? I love With or Without You. <coughs> that was your, that's one of your favourites, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Do you not like it, Tom? Not hugely, no, oh, no. God, I, what's wrong with you, man? See I, think that, <laughs> see, see, I think that towards the late 90s, the beat got too soft. So, And that's what you were saying. You were trying for a cleaner sound, and I think that cleaner sound <coughs> took away the rawness that I personally uh, Okay, liked. so mm. there is a slight story behind that. Um, that was for... Which record label was it for? Multiply, it was it? Diverse, wasn't it? No. No, it wasn't. Um, was Mary Keane on? Yeah, can't anyway, remember. Anyway, be, because, I mean, funny enough, that kick drum was the same kick drum that we used for everything. Um, I think we just toned it down a touch. Um, and actually, what we've done, we set it back in the because I think they we got asked to sit it back in the mix a little bit for the for the release version. Um, so that if it, if it was softer for any reason, it, that was it. Because generally, it was for a, a housey type label at the end of the day um so yeah it wasn't done on purpose by us um it's just direction <laughs> okay and i mean things did get very cheesy into the late very late 90s but um, in the whole scene i mean mm. we were like, I think this is accepted and, and known 
what what happened? Did people just get too complacent? Did people get lazy? Were there too many people in the scene that were saw there was a bit of money to be made by making some crap tunes? What was it? I I, I couldn't tell you the answer to that. If I'm honest, I don't know what the answer is. I don't, I don't know. I think everyone's scrapping around trying to find something yeah. to work. Um, and ninety nine times out of a hundred, they weren't the right things. Um, and 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 the other thing as well, like pretty much like you're saying people trying to earn some money if certain styles were were selling better than others at the time then people were just going to make it to earn some money because there wasn't that much money around you know record sales were dropping considerably weren't they you know and attendance was dropping at the gigs mm. as well and you know i think it's just a combination of stuff because like paul said back then on the spectrum of genres or dance music there wasn't you know, particularly now, there's not as many as there was now, but there was suddenly trance was coming in and drum and bass was getting even bigger. Um, hard house was becoming a thing, mm. you know. So when kids were coming through to listen to dance music, they didn't just have jungle or drum and bass. They, uh, sorry, or, or happy hardcore. They suddenly had, hmm, there's trance there. We like that. Or there's hard house or there's this. And this. There, was, there was more to choose from. So there was a combination of all sorts of things was causing different ripples, I think. Is it correct that um, Heart of Gold, that you don't want it to chart, but it was pushed back and that impacted upon its chart position and it never made the top 40? I read this somewhere. I don't know if it's true. Um, I might be wrong. <coughs> but And then it, given that it didn't do that, it didn't make that breakthrough and then the interest faded and then that was the sort of the end of that sort of... <sighs> was it pushed back? I don't remember it being pushed back. I, I remember the story behind, or not the story, the actual what happened with with heart of gold um because <clears throat> the label the, we, we kind of kind of you know got drawn into everything didn't we the label come to us and said right we're going to do we want a pop version pick anyone you want to sing it and we loved obviously set you free and kelly and we said we want kelly to sing it 100 percent um which looking back was probably a little unfair on on, on jen um however uh, Kelly had had a number two. She never went to number one, did it? Um, set you free. But, um, you know, she was already a, a pop star, so to speak. And then they said, who do you want to produce it? And then <laughs> we were looking around and I found an article with Elliot Kennedy who had done all the Spice Girls stuff and everything like that. And we sort of chatted about it and went, it's got to be this dude, isn't it? I mean, he's had his last, like, 20 singles have been top tens. <laughs> We was the first one that wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, was that that's, his fault. No, I mean, that, those no. guys did a good job. Um, but again, this is all a learning curve because this was all this was all new. And suddenly, when you get sort of you know record label get involved or bigger record labels, and they're they're they're, they're saying, to you, "Yeah, you, you could do it like this, and it and it could go here, and it could go there, and yeah, you're going to be a list on Radio One." Suddenly, it's like, "Oh wow, this is." This could be cool. And, you know, especially, you know, we were younger as well. It was, it was all different. It was exciting. And, um, I mean, to work with people like that, it was just, it, it was ridiculous in this massive studio in Sheffield. I mean, the other guys, Tim and Mike, Mike, wasn't it? Were from Dead or Alive. Um, they'd been in Dead or Alive in the, in the eighties. And, you know, working with those guys, it, it was it was incredible. And I remember, God, in that studio, we met Howard Donald was in there recording and um, the girls that went on to do the, um, actually, she, she became Chaz in Emmerdale. So they had a, she had a band and uh, met them there as well. So it, it was it was a 
just riding the waves, weren't we, at the time? Yeah. But I do remember when we first went in there, they were they were listening to it and going, right, how are we going to do this? Because they would know if it just, you know, they would do five, didn't they? Was it five? And they did a lot, a lot yeah, of boy band, girl boy band, band stuff. stuff. And so we thought it was going to become that kind of thing. And they said, right, we're going to have to keep this dancey. So try to make it sound a bit sash at the time. And it just wasn't strong like that. It yeah, just, again, it was it was a pop production team trying to make a dance record that wasn't yeah. aimed at the dance floor and it was it was never going to work. And when you started doing solo stuff, it was around about 98, was that correct? You were still a duo, weren't you? Did <coughs> that unique stuff, yeah. Did that cause any friction at all? No. No, you didn't mind. No. Gave me more tracks to play. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was only it was like a track here here and there. So it wasn't like I was just it was if the studio was free. Well, that's I would, it, isn't it? You used to, if I was in the office, you'd be yeah. in the studio, and you know. And then if I was done in the office, we'd go back in and work on some Force of Style stuff, and yeah, you know, it was never, never an issue. It was all very different as well, wasn't it? Mm. You know, the style was different, obviously. But just quickly going back to sort of uh, Junior and Jenner, I think that they were massive contributors to the Force and Style sound, obviously, and and to our success because you just can't imagine another voice singing those songs i can't imagine someone else singing heart of gold and pretty green eyes days. Good guy, do you know what i mean <laughs> you but, really don't want that do you? <laughs> no we don't we but don't. they were you know they were they were big very big contributors well, it's to, the same with the pas as well because i think the pas helped and i think chrissy touched on earlier about well that the, allows you to do pas as well doesn't it that well, you have your own yeah, singer and, exactly yeah, well, yeah and and I, I remember the guy with the guitar and Colin with the guitar, yeah and, yeah. and, and well, if you was at tribal gathering and you saw that set you'll remember at the end there was Colin on guitar, Junior on, on mic and Darren on piano. I've got photos. Have you got photos I of have, it? I have, I have, yeah. And we did that, what was the name of the song? I can't it wasn't... Another Level? Another no. Level. It was Another Level, wasn't it? And then we did that at um, Hardcore Heaven at Sanctuary. And it was just epic. We finished in the PA and unfortunately the PA was recorded. But the one thing I didn't record was this bit at the end. And the whole of the Sanctuary would light us up. We're just going back and forth to this, what was literally a pop song i guess at the end of the day it certainly wasn't a hardcore track at the time wouldn't get that now with a smoking ban no absolutely no okay so um we put together a mega mix uh which is 23 of your tunes uh and we've taken those samples and made like basically a one minute mega mix so we're oh, going to play Christ. this and you have to write down all the tunes you can hear and uh, this is a competition if by the I way just write so down no all cheating. Tunes, then surely I've got to say, will be I think I know who's going to win and the reason I say it is because what you said Paul about Darren's melodic ear yeah exactly ear music. I have no I think hope he's, in this I think yeah. I'm going to give this to him do you know what I don't feel confident okay yeah well we shall see good luck to both Jesus Christ. <laughs> Never got these in order. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um.
<laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> oh, that's about as good as it gets. I will, I will say, though, it is probably... It's quite useful that you use the same kick drum uh, yeah. throughout your entire career because uh, probably made Paul's life easier putting yeah. together that well, mega no, mix. I, I just nicked the... From I, a specific tune. Yeah, ah. I, I just nicked the beats from... Oh, from okay. other. But it all live on the decks over there. <laughs> so... Or you just you but you just be honest. Okay. You mark your own. Just be honest. How about yeah? I'll just we'll you just, just be we'll honest. read them out. No cheating. Who knows one anyway, Paul? You can give yourselves. Are we going to tick? Are we? Just give yourselves a tick. Okay, are we ready? Anyone can see me right so, at the bottom here. Perfect dreams. <laughs> did you get that? Yeah, I didn't even get that in there. To be no. honest with you, no. Did you get that, Darren? Yes. Yes, it did. Build yes. a dream. No, I didn't even get that in there. I was just literally writing stuff down and miles behind on everything, to be honest. Pacific Sun? No, I didn't even get that down there. You're there. joking, 40. What's going on? Just literally. Should we just say I'm Do you know what? I was just lost with all the early 90s stuff that I was not even listening to what was going on half the time. Um, down to Love? No, definitely didn't no, get that. I didn't get that. 12 Midnight? Yeah. I knew that was on there. Didn't write it down. <laughs> Give yourself a point. Thanks, mate. Fall down on me. Yes, I got that no, one. No, I didn't get that. Was the beat, right? Hey! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Follow me. Yeah, got that. Dancing through the night. No. No, oh, I was already in 101, so I was going to say you blocked it, it out of yeah. your memory. Uh, shining down. Yeah. I don't know if I got that. No, I didn't put that down there either. Wonderland. Yes, no, I've got I didn't that. get that. Ah, that's in there twice as well. Is it? It's, yeah, it yeah. is actually. Yeah. That was an homage to you, Paul. Oh, thanks. Putting Paul. song in twice. Yes, yeah. well done. Has <laughs> <laughs> you missed it the first time? <laughs> Just to make sure I got it. Yeah. I uh, like pretty green eyes. Yeah. All systems go. Yeah. All over the world. Yeah. No. <gasps> Harmony. Yeah. yeah. It's there somewhere. Raining smiles. Oh, no, no, I didn't no. get that. <laughs> Your love? No. Did I? Oh, I thought I put that down. Give yourself another it. point. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I just need all the help I can get. Frankie's lead. Yeah. yeah. Simply electric. Yeah. Poltergeist. Yeah. Oh, well done. No, I didn't get that one. Yeah. Oh, is this? Is it tighter than it looks? Stampede. Oh, oh no, I didn't get that one. Heart of gold. Yeah. I didn't even put that down. Oh guess. my god! Apollo thirteen. Do you know no, what? I missed that one as well. Heard it, but I missed it. Nah, didn't. <clears throat> okay, and finally, Paradise and Dreams. Do you know what? Oh, Funny look, enough, I've got fireworks in there. I got fireworks in there. there. <laughs> <laughs> that fireworks was in there, wasn't it? I don't know. I just heard an old one and thought that's got to be fireworks. I'm I don't think in. I put fireworks in. Yeah, no. I thought it was. Okay. No. So, how many did you get, chaps? I got eleven. Only I've got another three. <laughs> so Darren, is this now your biggest achievement? I think we can safely say <laughs> this. I can fuck up. This tops it all. Family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd conceded this before I'd even written anything down, so I'm, I'm more than happy that he's won. I'm pleased for him. Well done, anything. boys. Well done. Right. Hey. Well done. Can I hear some noise for the last one from Force and Styles? So, uh, we are coming to the end, sadly, of our exclusive interview with Force and Styles. They don't give many, uh, but they have come here to speak to Raw, the 90s Raid podcast today, and it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. And I've got to say thank you very much for doing so. It's uh, really interesting and, and, and insightful. <laughs> um, we want to sort of wrap it up by talking about now and the present. And, and Darren, you know, as we've established, you're a jet-setting international A-list 
EDM star. Um, what, you, what what's that like? Are you recognised? Do you do you do you get stopped anywhere? I mean, you've got a very distinctive look. You're very good looking, etc. I'll stop now. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I just wait for my head to go a little bit smaller. Um, oh, do I? Um, oh, how how is it? I mean, I'd, I I I still love it. I still love um the job that i do um well I, do, I guess i can't even really call it a job it's just it's still my hobby that that i've been able to make a career career out of i still love making music i still um i still want it. it's almost like i'm addicted to it because i'm addicted to making music that affects people and gets a reaction on the dance floor and gives people a feeling of some kind so that that then affects me and with that in mind you haven't been able to do that for the best no. part of six or seven months. <clears throat> yeah. How has that impacted upon you in, in several ways, but in, I mean, mentally, for example, uh, mentally fine because I'm getting to spend more time, um, with the girls and do normal stuff like take Millie to football on the Saturday morning, which I couldn't do. Um, and I feel like I can be more helpful to, to Fiona because, <clears throat> you know, a lot of the time she's, you know, she's, she, she just has to be a, a single parent basically because I'm away so often. She understands why I never get any grief. It's, it's, you know, we've got a great relationship when it comes to that sort of stuff, but there's a lot of things that I miss. Um, you know, I miss, um, birthdays and not, not so much the girls. I, I try and work it that I'm always there for that sort of thing. But if, you know, friends, weddings and stuff like that, I've often missed those sorts of things, which you can't get those times back. So, <clears throat> excuse me. That I'm enjoying the fact that I can be leader, for want of a better word, normal life. And and how are you coping financially? Because that is a big loss. It, it, yeah, no, it is a big loss. Um, yeah, it's funny because at the, at the at the beginning of it, when it was sort of kind of wiped out, you know, I think I was explaining it to Fiona. I was like, oh man, I've I've lost X amount of money this year. And, and Millie pipes up and she's nine years old. And she said, well, daddy, you haven't really lost anything. You just haven't gained it. And, you know, she's dead right. She's absolutely right because I've not lost it. I just have, you know, it's just money that I haven't earned this year. Um, No, but you do need money, don't you? I mean, yeah. (laughs) You do, no, you do. And, you know, I'm in a fortunate position. I've been in the game for a long time. I've been sensible with my money. I've bought a few silly cars. But apart from that, um, I've, you know, I've been quite sensible. So, you know, when things come back again, if they do, hopefully they will, then, um, yeah, it'll be full steam ahead again. What do you think the the future of like raving is post coronavirus that's a question you can both answer really wow um who knows i mean you're guaranteed that people are going to want to go out and party when it does happen but what they're going to be listening to who knows maybe no one will care so maybe now's the time to Uh, put Um, out all of your your folk dance call (laughs) absolutely yeah why not i mean you don't know what promoters are going to do promoters might do things differently they might not just do you know single genre events or whatever they might mix it up again do you think they should i mean i really do i i, do. I, I genuinely think, well, it, think- I, it, <clears throat> I, I wasn't old enough to go to those yeah. events and I, I they look fantastic i love the music all of that music and it's just a variation spice of life mm. yeah absolutely well when we used to do uk dance uh, rumors in clacton very much it was all it was all dance music, but there'd be an old school set, there'd be a drum and bass set, there'd be hardcore, there'd be different types of hardcore. I think the problem is today that, certainly with hardcore events, it's just very flatlined. You know, it's the same thing most of the night. 
I might get thrown in to to play an old school set. But generally, the, a lot of the kids are so young now, they're like, well, what's, what's the grey hair bloke doing? You know, and a lot of the time it's, <laughs> it is, it is like that because you're, f- as well, because the music's, even some, if it's not the best music out there, the production is so much better than it was 25 years ago. It just absolutely bangs. And you come on and play the older stuff and there is that difference, isn't there, in the, in the dance hall and the sound system. But I, I think definitely stuff needs to be mixed up. I think a mixing, mixed genre events is definitely the way to go, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, definitely, because it's almost like the rest of the world got onto this a long time ago, but actually the UK ten, tends to go down the one route with the with the style of music on a lineup, And um, yeah, so I think that's definitely something that would be beneficial, particularly in this country. And what impact has um, COVID had on your production? Uh, because is it making you create yeah, I've been, I've, something I've, else? Yeah, I've definitely been more experimental. Um, whether or not it's something that's going to work or not, I have no idea. Because, you know, I th- like I said to you before, it's like I've, even though I've been in this game for a long time, I still question the stuff I make. I, I never walk out of a studio thinking, man, I've made an absolute banger there. The only time I'll sort of be confident is once I've played it out <clears throat> and I see the reaction it gets. Um because otherwise you can't you can't really second guess anything and at the moment i can't gauge anything because i can't get the reaction you know even off doing streams you can you can get a reaction on certain tunes will um, generate a bit more uh, chat on the forums and stuff but um apart from that there's nothing like actually seeing a physical reaction on the dance floor to know whether or not you've you've got something and there's a danger of because of what's happening and i'm interested to know what you think should happen because the government have stopped anything past ten, uh, you know, nightlife is, is it, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, is that just unavoidable, or is there something that you think that could be done? Are the government failing the the nighttime industries? I think everyone and anyone involved in the nightime industry will have a very different opinion on that. Someone that isn't so. It's difficult for me to say because I, I, it's not my income. It's not my main income now, and I just do it if I get asked to do it. So it doesn't affect me in that kind of way. Obviously, different with Dan and all the other guys that he's working with at the moment because it very much is. What the right thing to do is, I wouldn't have the answer. You need people in power to make those decisions. Um, it's not going to happen, is it? Let's be honest. Uh, and I think the, 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 the dance scene or music in general tried to do it themselves with the streams because everyone and their cat was doing a stream. Maybe the hamster was thrown in as well as a help on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that Facebook could put a stop to that, haven't they? Have they? From what I've been told. Yeah, uh, a lot of, yeah, I think they have. I mean, yeah. There's a lot so, of, they, uh, there's copyright issues as well yeah. and stuff and they've got yeah. algorithms that, yeah. that stops yeah, tunes yeah. being I mean, played. You know, you know it's well, ridiculous. A bit difficult that in a DJ set, isn't it? Yeah. So um, what do you do? You know, I think we just sit back, we wait. There's no, there's no amount of demonstrating and Sharon, I don't want this to happen that's going to stop it and change it, is there? We need to so. buy some land, right? dig under, make a giant bunker right? that's fully soundproofed and we hold raves in that. I'll see where you That's my with. plan. See where you we all just club that. together, buy some land. Who's going to know? Alternatively, you can have you buy an island which isn't run by anybody, so they've got no laws. 
Take everyone well, I to hear it. there's one going since uh, What's His Face died. Paedophile Island. Epstein. That's it. So get him as Epstein. Have a big old brain. <laughs> <laughs> there's a spare island there. Hey, do you feel, Darren, that you're... Obviously, it's difficult for you during this year, but in terms of the future of what you're, what you do and the mm-hmm. people that you play to, do you think that you're protected in a way? Because there will always be those big raves, but there won't necessarily be a 300, 400... 800, 1,000 capacity venue that, 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 you know, the rave DJs play at? I think that as long as the big um, gigs are still there, the small ones will come back because it's kind of like they feed the big ones anyway, don't they, essentially, because that's the grassroots. So I guess, I mean, you know, I'm never any good at predicting stuff, but I, I feel like... I feel like I'm one of the fortunate ones because when and if it does come back, I feel like, um, particularly if I'm staying relevant by by releasing music, because I've been there for so long and hopefully established my name enough that I'll still get chosen to be put on the lineups. In terms of the smaller gigs, obviously, um, that's where I feel like some some DJs are going to obviously struggle, as are the club owners. Um, yeah, it's like who knows what's going to happen. I just hope that if it's if it's sort of you know say March April next year if things turn around again, hopefully it's not too long so that things don't completely just crumble. I guess the problem is though if if it is March April, that still then still counts at most of the summer festivals, so they're not going to happen. No one's got mm. time to organise a festival from April. Yeah. You know, how can you go from not having any clubs open or festivals to suddenly having 60,000 people in a field? It doesn't seem feasible. Yet, I'm still booked to play EDC Portugal next June, I think it is, and Creamfields next August, and all the big festivals, Tomorrowland and DEFCON, they're still going ahead as far as we know at the moment. So it's whether or not they do go ahead. No one knows. Like, Mm. literally, your guess is as good as mine. We're fucked then. Yep. <laughs> uh, looking back uh, on the '90s and the rave scene, because this is the '90s rave podcast, what was your each of yours favourite year of the '90s, and why? In terms of your careers and your, it has to be '96, doesn't it? I was going to say '96. Yeah, oh, yeah. be '96. Why? Yeah. Why? Because that's really when it all blew up for us. I mean, we'd done the stuff in '95, <laughs> but um, Heart of Gold pretty green eyes pacific yeah. sun all written in in 96 i mean we played our biggest gigs like 97, 97 98 yeah. didn't we but 96 was the year that the music yeah. was sort of born i suppose wasn't it yeah yeah very much so i think it has to be that year definitely for me what do you think it was that was just made the the 90s so special i think as everything was it was all brand new everything that was happening was new Whereas in a sense now everything that happens is some kind of recycled way. You know, even the house music of today, the big house records, they're still pulling from what was going on 20 years ago. Mm. Um, Whereas back then everything was an experiment um, and it was all so new. So everything you were listening to was like, flipping it, I've not heard this before. Yeah, I think... (laughs) I think we're going back as well to what we said before about it changing so much within a you know a few years, um, every everything experimental, and we were just I think we were just lucky, weren't we? We just hit the nail on the head at the right time, even though it wasn't for as long as probably would have hoped it it would be. But those three years were bloody amazing, you know. Can and will it ever be repeated? That era. 
No. <laughs> Quite simply, I think times have changed, haven't they? Um, Maybe you hold the power, some sort of false and styles post coronavirus uh, <laughs> re amalgamation. Put on by Chrissy Richards and Walking Guys. I mean, the thing to remember as well is 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 that doing trying to relive the nineties. I mean, everyone's cracking on a bit now, you know. And and you're really going to be put out, apart from the few younger people that will go along to see what it's all about. Most of the people there are going to be a lot older, uh, heading hurtling towards their fifties at a rate of knots. Um, so I think you know to, to reinvent it is probably you know would be on that. I suspect. And finally, and we ask all our guests this: uh, Who would you like us to interview on Raw the Nineties Rave podcast, and why from the Nineties Rave scene? Actually. We were talking about this before, weren't we? Mm. In the car on the way up. That, um, well, Chris Brown would be someone decent because obviously he's he was part of the, the whole movement. Different side of it as well because yeah. Chris very much come from the promoting side even though he got into the producing side of things. Yeah. So he covers kind of both bases really. And I think I'd suggest to you, Chrissy, before you get in Terry... Terry Turbo involved yeah. as well um, because he'd have a whole different slant on everything and... Terry was a complete and utter nutcase, so in the nicest possible way. And Dougal as well. Dougal would be oh, Dougal, yeah. yeah. See, particularly doesn't good seem to, get on. to do a lot of interviews. See, Dougal. Dougal was quite, um, but he's been there since since the beginning. So he he was he was very much involved in us breaking through as DJs. Yeah, he got us our first booking at Helt Skelter, didn't he? Yeah, he, he was. People yeah. don't realise <clears> that he he'd be on the phone every day, going, "I'm trying to get you this and trying to get you that," and it was really down to him that those first big gigs happened. So, um, you know, the tunes obviously helped, but Dougal being who he was at the time, was, mm. was opened, opened some doors for us. Mm. And um, you said you had a story about Chris Brown you were going to tell us. Oh, well, it sounds like a good op- that's an opportune so moment, isn't time. it? <laughs> uh, no, it, what it was, was Can when we would, yeah, what, what, what was I going off of though? It was... Um, it was messiest uh, moments. The messiest moments. <clears throat> because things got, messier as the years progressed yeah so when we you must we, have been pulling your hair out if we, someone uh, doesn't, do, doesn't do that i was totally out of my depth to be fair <laughs> no i was in, in those situations i was out of my depth but we went to ibiza in 1995 god yeah um and i think again it was united dance out there room 101 you're gonna put that in there yeah <laughs> so there was myself dougal vibe slip mat Paul, Terry Turbo, Chris Brown. Is this the same time that Slipmat did his first pills? Yes. Yes. Right. Uh, so that's what I was going to get to. And interestingly because... enough, I think the first time that Dougal had a beer, wasn't it? What? I think what? it was, actually. <laughs> yeah. 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 He had his yeah. first... I don't know why his... I find that so funny. Honestly, <laughs> that particular trip was a game, game changer in, you know, <laughs> a lot of things. Whether it was a good game changer, I don't know. But yeah, it's sort of like the hedonism <laughs> came in and sort of like like, like you said that about means that Dougal will be taking his first pill in about 2025. <laughs> But yeah, that's definitely where drugs played a part in terms of the um, the artists as well. That's where things changed. I'm glad Slip Matt said that because I wouldn't have brought that up. But obviously, <laughs> obviously, Matt's Matt's um, Matt's mentioned that, and um, yeah, it was a big. It was that was quite a big change, actually. Yeah, it's one of those trips that was you know you look back and you just wince and just go, yeah, we'll forget about that one. <laughs> so the best part for me though, right? Was it was at the time? I don't know if you remember this, but Seduction would always wear a Kangol hat. He would always wear it backwards, right? And we all went out on some jet skis, and his <laughs> Kangol hat fell off right in the wind, right into the sea. 
And then the next day, and this is no joke, right? The next day we were all out on pedlos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. And I looked down and I was like, holy shit, this seduction's up. And honestly, I dived off the pedlo. It's like a Daniel Craig, James Bond moment, right? <laughs> dived off this pedlo, came down, come back up with this Kangol hat, thinking I was a ledge. Like, John, John, I've got your hat. <laughs> oh, God. That is a good story. Good time. That's, that's a good one to end on. Thank you very much, boys, for, for joining it's us. It's been an absolute pleasure, joy, really insightful and interesting. And hopefully, COVID will fuck off and we can all enjoy 25 years, even Ish. if it's 26. Yeah, absolutely. Of Force and Styles. Sounds good absolutely. to me. Cheers, Thank guys. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, you are listening to uh, the Raw, the 90s Rave podcast. Go to our YouTube page. We're on all the social medias. You can email us hello at the 90s Rave podcast.co.uk. Hope you've enjoyed it. Well, that's it from this week's edition of Raw. We hope you've enjoyed tuning in. If you want to give us a hand to create more and better 90s rave-related content while getting shouts on future episodes and getting your hands on some artwork designed exclusively for us by Grantus Arts, you can do so by heading to gofundme.com forward slash the 90s rave podcast just a few quid will help anything at all frankly uh, but it would go a long way to helping us keep this thing going that address again gofundme.com forward slash the 90s rave podcast and we'll see you all next week <laughs>